Tēnā koutou katoa. Welcome. This is a New Zealand Wine Podcast. I'm Boris Lamont. Thanks for listening in. Today we're speaking with Jules Matthews, who is the General Manager of Q Wines in the Waitaki Valley in North Otago, South Island, New Zealand. This was recorded in 2016, so when Jules is referring to current or upcoming vintages, just be aware of the timing. If you're wanting to know anything further about Q Wines or our previous podcast or to see what's coming up, just look us up online. But right now, let's have a chat with Jules. Welcome, Jules. Nice to have you with us today. Thanks, Boris. And so why don't we just start off uh, maybe just talking a little bit about your story, um, how, you f- how you first got into the wine business, because it wasn't sort of what you were doing maybe how long ago, 10, 15 years 15 ago? 15 years ago, no. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's kind of come from a passion more than anything. Um, I've always loved wine and always loved food and travel. When I shifted overseas with work, it gave me the opportunity to travel around different wine regions, sort of in the old world wines, um, around France and Italy um, and parts of Europe. And then uh, I had an opportunity to travel around South Africa and traveled with, through some of those wine regions, mm-hmm. all mainly just through traveling. Uh, and when I was living in London, I thought I'd take the opportunity to work or, or do some study with Pruleith. Uh, food and wine school. Okay. And when I signed up for it, um, it was fully booked in the food school. So I thought I'd do the wine school as right. something different. Um, and I guess from there, uh, I sort of developed more of an interest into wine. So I guess in a way it's come from passionate consumption. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. And when, so when are we talking about? So this would be, uh, in, 1999. Right, yeah. Um, and I was obviously there for a few years. Um, but prior to that, I was working in investment banking yep. and um, with another gentleman called Jules who also had a huge passion for wine and um, especially Pinot Noir. And he had uh, a cellar which he loved to collect wine and store wine. And we'd worked together for many years. So when I did return to New Zealand from overseas, he had um, been offered the opportunity to purchase some land in the Waitaki. Right, right, okay. So that was um, that was quite fortuitous, quite good timing then for you, wasn't it? It so, was, yep. it was actually. Um, and I came back from overseas wanting to do something a little different, not necessarily step back into what I had historically done with um, corporates and, and within the banking system. Yeah, so you were look, looking for an opportunity in, in wine? Had the No, had not, not necessarily actually, but um, he presented the opportunity to work with him um, within smaller investment portfolios, mm-hmm. but in, in that process he'd also purchased this piece of land. Right. Um, following his dream of, of having a vineyard as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so where, where is this land? So it's in the Waitaki, which is North Otago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's directly west of Omaru, mm-hmm. or about two and a half hour drive over the Linders Pass from Queenstown. Right, okay. So it's a pretty small town. Um, it's not sort of on a familiar route where lots of people travel through, so it doesn't get a lot of foot traffic. I mean, it's quite untouched, really. It's very beautiful and full of lots of um, lovely lakes and, and scenery mm-hmm. and not a lot of people. And so fairly inland for New Zealand, how uh, the coast is? No, it's not. I mean, it's a 40-minute drive inland from the coast. So mm-hmm. it's still actually quite maritime, I guess, okay. in terms of a wine region. Okay, so you do have some influence yes. from, the, yeah, yeah. from that. Okay. 
And so how long ago was this? Was, so, was the land purchased? So the land was purchased in 2003. Yep. Um, and it's a it's ex sort of orchard area, I guess. Okay. So so for that region, was that farming. quite an, an early um, purchase for the purpose of wine? It was the initial – I mean, there was a piece of – a large farm that was initially – um, developed to be sold off as vineyards or as land for vineyards. Okay. Um, they'd done some soil testing. Mm-hmm. The tests that came back uh, showed that it was very similar to that of Burgundy. Yep. There's lots of active limestone. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were, you know, a few different people that purchased land in that particular area. Okay. Okay. So it had been recognised as, as potentially being a good place yes. for. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I mean, it's you know, it comes with its challenges in terms of being actually a very windy location. Okay. Um, also, there's no real infrastructure for for grape growing, so anything that we do, we have to bring the labour force in from surrounding areas. Right. Or send the grapes off once they're harvested to have made elsewhere. Okay. Okay. So that was that was 2003. So 2003, the land was purchased. Yes. And then I did research into the types of style of wine that we wanted to produce. We knew that it was going to be an area for Pinot Noir, but we also thought it would be good for Pinot Gris, and there was no other region in New Zealand that was known for Pinot Gris as yet. So the, so the soil and the terroir, Pinot Noir, anything else about the region? That- uh, Pinot Noir, because that was um, Jules Stefan's favourite grape, yep. I guess, yep. um, and we thought that the soil profile was also leaning towards producing a top quality Pinot Noir. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then, so that was, uh, how how long after 2003 were the, were the first vines So we planted, planted the vines in 2005. Yep. Uh, we purchased them all through Riversun, which is a company in Gisborne who um, either bring in the rootstock and the clones, um, or they produce them themselves. But it's all they're all um, growing in a very sort of well controlled environment. So there's you know no viruses and no pests. And right. So we went down to River Sun's nursery in Gisborne prior to choosing and making the final selection and just seeing where they came from and doing clonal tastings. And so Pinot Noir and others? So we've got Pinot Gris, mm-hmm. uh, Pinot Noir. From the Pinot Noir we make a Sangli Rosé and we've planted some Chardonnay. So 2015 has been our first um, Chardonnay vintage. Right, okay, okay. And, and believe that it actually has got the ability to uh, make some lovely Chardonnay from that area, again, because of the active limestone. And we're going to be planting another hectare of Chardonnay this year. Right, okay. Okay, very good. And how's the so the vines went in in two thousand and two thousand and five. The vines went in, yeah. And then uh, two thousand and ten, we had our first harvest. Okay. So we sort of left the vines to have you know a good five years to get themselves embedded. Yeah. Um, you can potentially have your first harvest after three or four years, but we just gave them a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. All in that time, we're looking to find a winemaker. So I uh, had Rudy Bauer from Quartz Reef make our 2010 Pinot Gris. Mm-hmm. Grant Taylor made our 2010 and 2011 Pinot Noir. Okay. Um, and that was just to get us going. And during that process, um, we came to meet um, 
Anthony Walsh, who is a young Frenchman who has come to New Zealand um, via South Africa, where he did a sort of winemaking stint, but he's permanently now based in Alexandra, and he's now a permanent winemaker okay. since 2012. Oh, very good, very good. And how's the journey been of the uh, the vintages since 2010? It's been interesting. It's been an experience, a learning experience. Yeah. Um, obviously, coming into this um, winemaking from no experience, aside from passionate consumption, I guess. Yes. Um, so 2011 was a great vintage. 2012 was really good. Um, 2013, um, our Pinot Noir was great and Rosé was great. Mm-hmm. The Pinot Gris was, was also good. Um, however, it probably wasn't my preferred vintage. The growing degree days in the sun, um, the heat didn't quite get the grapes as ripe as I would have liked to have seen. So, um, it was still a great wine, but, it, you know, I would have preferred to have seen it more in the lines of 2012 mm-hmm. for the Pinot Gris, that is. Um, 2014, we produced only a rosé. Um, again, we were challenged with getting enough heat in the vineyard. Mm-hmm. So when the, when the grapes sort of came to when we could harvest, they weren't, the, the sugar levels weren't there. Um, technically there was nothing wrong with the wine we produced, but for me, it wasn't, again, my preferred flavor and I'm only prepared to, brand and market and sell something that I truly enjoy um, myself and sure. I think that the quality's there um, but we made a great rosé from all the Pinot Noir uh, and so again no Pinot Noir was made, the Pinot Gris um, we just sold off the bulk wine to another winery of which it got blended in Sure. Uh, and then 2015 um, is excellent um, the Pinot Gris has been fantastic very similar, if not better, to 2012. Right. The rosé, again, outstanding. And the first harvest of Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, we bottled uh, March, just gone. Mm-hmm. So I'll look to release that later this year. But so far, really, really happy with both those. Oh, very good. Oh, that's yeah. exciting. Yes. And, and harvest just finished it? Finished? Again, 2016, we've been lucky um, in that it's been a great harvest. Really happy with the quality of the fruit. Um, I think it could be one of our best yet um, in terms of volume, a great crop levels. So really happy with 2016. So we completed harvest on the 29th of April. Yep. And what, what's that like in timing? Is that pretty consistent with um, with other years? Or? It is actually. We, the earliest we've harvested has been the 24th of April and the latest has been 4th of May. Okay, so, so not, a, not, a, not a huge window. Not a huge window. And in terms of harvesting, it's the last region in New Zealand to harvest. Right. So um, harvest can start anywhere from sort of late late March, I think, for some regions. Mm. So we are the last um, which does put us into that area of potential frost risk. Mm-hmm. Um, but so mm. far, we've been okay. Yeah, because temperatures can start to start to drop at that time of year, can't they, yes. in, in, in that region? Right, yes. okay. Okay. And, um, all right, well, that's, uh, that's exciting. And how's, how's the Waitaki region changed since you've been there? So other... Uh, winemakers have um, moved in alongside you? and There's been winemakers that were there initially that have been and gone mm-hmm. um, and brands that have sort of come in 
and um, not continued. Um, it's a, I guess it's a challenging area because it's, it's an expensive area to produce wine from. Right. Lack of infrastructure, being um, more remote and having the weather just a little more challenging. Okay. But in saying that, there's uh, a couple of other vineyards who have been there or in a similar region to us, um, a similar length of time, mm. and they're of larger size and they're still sort of trucking along and yep. trying and so to make it work. You mentioned weather challenges. So you, you touched on frost and wind. You mentioned so earlier before. It can be very windy. Um, also, it's just a matter of getting enough heat into the area. Right, okay. Um, and getting that continued heat. Right, right, okay, okay. And uh, so Chardonnay is the most recent varietal it for is, you? It yep. is, which is exciting. It's mm. probably one of my preferred varieties, so I'm looking forward to um, doing some more with the Chardonnay and so, seeing so, how that goes. So how many so, so how many um, vintages now are you So we've just, uh, just harvested our second vintage just of Chardonnay. Just second, okay. So 215 is the first. It's the first. Okay. It yep. is. yep. Um, and having all that active limestone and having Anthony, our winemaker, being French, um, wanting to sort of impart a bit of his French winemaking techniques, I guess, yeah. into our wine. So so a little bit more of, of what we might be classed as French style, so a little yes, less so. oak than yes. what might yes. be used to in, in New Zealand yeah. Chardonnays. Okay. okay. And, and also sort of in, um, making the most of that minerality that mm-hmm. the Waitaki shows. Yeah, nice. Okay. And on the Pinot side, um, how are they uh, looking for longevity? What, how are they sort of shaping up in that regard? They're, they're actually going really well. I mean, it's hard to say with 2010 being the first vintage. Mm. Um, and we have tried a 2010 not so long ago, and it was drinking beautifully. Mm-hmm. So they're certainly showing the ability to age well. Yep. Um, I guess it's just a matter of sort of... Yeah, it's still fairly trying early to hold days. on to some. Yeah, yeah, and, and, <laughs> and, and not uh, drink them, and not drink them, and and then test them over the years just yeah. to see. But so far, I think Waitaki wines have the ability to age well. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's any, if there's anything to go by, I can certainly open a bottle and leave it open on on my bench or in the fridge for seven to eight days, and it's still drinking. Wow. Okay. Really well after that period. So. Yeah. If that's an indication, just open bottle versus, you know, laying it down for a number of years. Yeah. Then I guess it's just a matter of waiting and seeing. Yeah. Okay. And just on that, just out out of interest, because um, there's different opinions on this. When you open a, a red that you're not going to consume all of it straight away, yes. Do you put it in the fridge? To do you think that no, helps? No, I don't actually. You don't. No. Um, but again, I'm not an expert on this either. No, sure. So, um, <laughs> but it's lasted for you not doing that. Yes, okay. and likewise the Pinot Gris. I mean, mm-hmm. I've opened that and left it in the fridge for up to a week, mm. and that um, holds its own right, okay. nicely. Okay. And so, um, on the just touching on the Pinot Gris, then how would you describe the style of that? Is it's uh, got a lot of it's a lot of minerality in mm-hmm. the wine. Um, it's sort of white stone fruit. Uh, it's we do it. We keep it as a dry style, so mm. we only sort of have between one and three uh, residual grams of sugar. Mm-hmm. So we keep it dry, um, and saying that it doesn't come across as a bone dry wine because of a certain level of fruit sweetness. But it is. It's a really lovely wine that um, 
can be enjoyed um, on its own, but it actually pairs very well with food and quite a range of foods. Yep. Okay. And on the Pinot Noir side, um, with your winemaker, are you looking and, you know, I don't really like sort of going into the sort of term Burgundy style, but um, do you think it has uh, more of that sort of style compared with other South Island Pinot Noirs? I think what we've seen in the Waitaki is um, a lot of sort of deep, dark berry flavours. Um, it's not it's not that sort of farmyard or that um, earthy flavours, but it's, um, I, I think of them as elegant wines. Right, okay, okay. Yeah. All right, all good, good. Um, and we've had some um, really good support and some great reviews from some well-known wine writers. Mm-hmm. Um, Robert Parker in the US has uh, given me 90-plus points for the 2011 and 2012 um, Pinot Noir yep. and 93 points for the 2013 Pinot Noir. Okay. It's, um, and were they close to release, close to harvest, those tastings, or, or after a couple of years, do you know? Uh, they were probably 18 months. Okay, yeah. So still relatively young yeah. for a Pinot Noir. yeah. Yeah, okay. And so what is your uh, channel to market with Q Wines? So at the moment, um, because we are small, we're five and a half hectares, um, and it's something that I totally manage myself. So I manage the distribution, and I've aimed it at on-premise. Yep. And I've targeted restaurants, I guess, because being a foodie myself, I've targeted restaurants that um, that I like, mm-hmm. um, the types of food that I like, um, the environments that I've liked, and I just hand sell it into restaurants. Uh, it's a lot of cold calling and a lot of a lot of perseverance yes. because there's a lot of wonderful wines out there, mm. and, um, and there's a lot of restaurants. So people, you know, there's a big selection for um, sommeliers and bar staff to choose from, and it's a big, um, you know, it's a big ask for them to think well why should we look at you versus another brand which is more well known mm, mm. and because it's just me selling it um, I'm not a distributor a lot of restaurants do get tied into dealing with one distributor versus dealing with many small people mm. so again there's lots of little challenges but we are a boutique wine and we do want to hand sell it into some great restaurants um, so it's just a sort of a slow journey really with yep. a lot of patience but so far with some great success and um, it's just a, you know ongoing so at the moment I'd like to actually extend that to some areas outside of New Zealand right we're not a supermarket brand um, at this stage no no plans to go near a supermarket or any sort of mass produced um, wine selling um, avenue yep can you buy it um, outside of a outside of a restaurant? Is yes, it, so yep. we've got our uh, online website mm-hmm. where we're trying to grow, um, obviously our own membership database. Yes, um, and then there are a couple of sort of fine wine stores um, in Auckland and a couple um, throughout New Zealand that also retail the wine. Okay, yep, yep. So you can find it. Not not too yes. hard to find it. No, and so you mentioned offshore. So you're looking to try and get into... Uh, so we have historically had an export to um, a fine wine store in Hong Kong mm-hmm. and we're looking to do that again very soon. 
um, with a further export. Um, I've had recent um, meetings in Sydney with the view to look into getting wine, Q wine, into the Australian market, yep. into the restaurants there. Yes. And I've also slowly researching um, London and New York, but it's a matter of finding a distributor who is prepared to take on another New Zealand brand um, that doesn't have a Sauvignon in their portfolio, right. which we don't have and mm. we won't have. We're not about to plant Sauvignon in mm. Waitaki. Mm. Mm. Okay. Yep. Yep. And any what's on the what's on the horizon for Q? Are you looking at um, so you, you know obviously not Sauvignon, but are there other varietals that have um, are of interest to you? And, and not at this stage. I mean, mm. we are our aim is to produce a beautiful Pinot Noir. I mean, we want to produce all our wines um, to be of a you know a top class wine. Yep. Um, and we're focusing on the Pinot Gris and now with the Chardonnay, really looking to see how we can develop the Chardonnay. Yeah. Um, this year I'm going to do a very small experiment and depending how that goes as to whether we take it any further, but we're going to make a New Zealand sparkling from the Chardonnay and okay. also one from the Pinot Noir and just see how they are. I personally love Champagne, yes. which of course only comes from France. So... Um, I'm keen to see what we can make out of the Waitaki. Oh, that's exciting. It is. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I have never really found a New Zealand sparkling that um, I'm totally in love with. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want it to be super sweet. I prefer them on the dry style. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. So, and sorry, when, when you're looking to, to so have a go at that? So from the 2016 harvest, okay. which yes. we just harvested, yes. yeah. we're going to make a, a small amount from each of the varieties and right. ju- just see how that develops. Oh, cool. And whether we t- do that again will be very dependent on how this experiment goes. Yeah, yeah, okay. And um, how are you seeing the New Zealand wine scene at the moment? What's, um, is there anything that's um, yet of interest for you outside of what you're doing? Um, any sort of challenges you see coming up maybe you know, versus uh, other markets or... Um, Anything that's um, sparked your interest that you've you've had recently, or any region that? Um... Well, I think having just been in Sydney recently, you know, there's there's definitely a huge um, growth, I think, in New Zealand, Australia, and probably internationally, just with the food scene and the restaurant scene, um, all the new styles of cooking that are coming out. So, and because I love food, it's just the ability to pair great wine with a variety of foods. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what's um, what's one of your favourite pairings? What's something that you love cooking and and uh, have a favourite pairing wine match for? Uh, I do love oysters. However, I um, by no means know how to shuck them, and I, <laughs> and I like them natural. Um, but I must say, the Cupino Gris does pair beautifully. With, with oysters. Oysters, yeah. Okay. Um, and I'm very fond of fresh salmon. Okay. And our rosé and pinot noir both both work really well yep. with salmon. Yep. Any winter dishes that, um, you know, with winter coming up for us shortly in this part of the world, anything that um, you like to cook through the winter, any sort of comfort food and a, and a wine match that you 
that you particularly like? The um, again, the Pinot Gris uh, pairs very well with um, sort of some the roast porks. Mm-hmm. Um, it works quite well with a lot of rich meats. Okay, I think because of the texture of the wine, mm. um, but it works very well with sort of Asian cuisine of which I love, whether it be Vietnamese yep. or Thai. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it works very well with all those flavours. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, and then that, that's um, you know certainly here in Auckland, um, we're lucky we have quite a you know, a great variety of Asian. Yes. Um, outlets. Yes, we um, do. And um, Q actually is listed amongst quite a few of these restaurants, which is great. Right, it is good because uh, it, it's probably something that um, uh, hasn't always been there to go to an Asian restaurant and find a good yeah. wine match. You know, sometimes it's a bit of a struggle mm. um, because the wine list might not have been, um, you know, that conscious, you know, a bit, a bit predictable. Um, then so I think that's quite cool to to, yes. to see that see that developing. And I think a lot of restaurants now too are thinking about their menu and thinking what wines work well mm. with their food. Um, I think a lot of restaurants also bring in um, ex, ex, you know sort of wine experts to actually create their lists for them now too. Right, right, okay, okay. And um, so just on the the, the dining. Uh, in in Auckland, are you seeing sort of? Are you excited about what you see here? You know, travelling overseas um, and comparing it when you come back. Um, how do you how do you think the the Auckland dining scene is is tracking at the moment? I think it's um, it's a, going really well at the moment. I think it's wonderful. I think there's some some great restaurants um, opening up. Some great um, people getting behind it. Some you know the service is going really well. Mm-hmm. Um, some really interesting menus and food combinations. Um, I think there's a lot more thought going into the design of a lot of these places. Okay. So I think compared to what I've seen just recently, I think um, the restaurant scene here in Auckland's looking amazing. Right. Right. There's okay. A, I think there's a real energy. Yeah. Yeah. Out there at the moment. And uh, how about offshore? Do you do you have um, any wines outside of New Zealand that are favourites for you, or even maybe something that uh, you've just enjoyed enjoyed recently? Or is there a region perhaps that you've personally just just discovered and particularly enjoyed? I guess recently uh, been in Sydney because I was also researching um, cuvées or sparkling wines that are non-French. Okay. Um, Tasmania seems to be producing some cuvées that are actually, you know, a good cuvée um, and very enjoyable to drink. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was interesting, having never really thought about wines from Tasmania. Right, okay, okay. Yep, it's something um, I've heard a few mentions of, yes. of recently for that region. Mm. So I think with a lot of wine you need to think about the flavour that you like and then think about where it comes from. Um, often when you go to another country, you look at a wine list and you might not be familiar at all with any of their wines. So I think if anything, it's good to know what a region's capable of yep. and then choosing by a region rather than a name. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like um, uh, going to a restaurant and maybe understanding 
what they would do well rather than ordering yes. something off the menu that yeah. <laughs> might not be their speciality. Exactly. Yeah. Great. Well, thanks, Jules. Thanks very much for your time. I uh, really appreciated that. That's been great hearing about Q and, and what's going on uh, down there. And um, we really look forward to what's coming out uh, this year. And I suppose um, the 2015 will, won't be too long before we'll be able to see that yeah. pop up in a few places. That's right. Thanks, Boris. It's um, been a nice opportunity to share the Q story with you. And I guess we will look uh, to the end of this year to release the First Chardonnay, which is very exciting. Yes. And the 2015 Pinot Noir. Yes, no, looking um, forward to that. And I'm yet to uh, know how the cuvee will work out, but yes. I'm looking forward to that experiment. Yeah, no, that's an exciting. Um, which is actually very exciting. That yeah, that's an exciting be experiment. be a nice to be addition to the portfolio um, if it does produce what we're looking for. Fantastic. Oh, well, we look forward to hearing more about that. Yes. Great. Thanks, Jules. Okay, thanks, Boris. We've just been speaking with Jules Matthews from Q Wines in the Waitaki Valley, North Otago, New Zealand. If you'd like to find out more about Q, just look them up online, qwine.co.nz. And the same goes for the New Zealand Wine Podcast. Check us out online. And while you're there, have a look at podcast.nz for some other great listening. We look forward to your company again shortly. Hey, corner my, bye for now.